ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the 237th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to be through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. And we'll start with my highlight of the week, which is the Warriors-Spurs series, which actually is about as good as NBA basketball gets. Uh, they split the first two games, uh, but game two the other night was... Amazing, uh, led, of course, by Steph Curry, who continues his just remarkable play and, uh, and fashioned that 15-0 run, personal 15-0 run, in about a minute and a half, two-minute span in the third quarter of uh, the game the other night. And it basically put the game away. Uh, <clears throat> and just simply added to his growing legend. Uh, he's just as enjoyable an athlete as we've been able to watch in years, literally years. For me personally, uh, he's the most fun to watch since I got to witness uh, Larry Bird up close and personal here in Boston back in the day. But uh, Steph Curry is at this point <clears throat> simply appointment television. Uh, here he is in this postseason with uh, injuries to both his knee and his ankle, yet he's doing things that we have never or rarely have seen before, starting with uh, the 17-point overtime against the uh, Trailblazers and his first game back, by the way, after being off for two weeks, a game in which, uh, after which Charles Berkeley said it was the greatest thing he's seen since LeBron scored 29 out of 30 points in, uh, in an NBA Eastern Conference Finals against the Pistons a while back. And lo and behold, what does uh, Steph do? He kind of answers that with his own 15-0 <clears throat> run in the Western Conference Finals. So it's just uh, been so much fun to watch. Uh, it was a must-win for the Warriors, something a position they have not been accustomed to after the uh, Thunder shocked them in Game 1. and uh, But they did respond, no surprise. Uh, it really started with an 11-0 run to close out the first half and then continued from there with Steph's 15-point uh, uh, 15, 15 barrage in, like I said, about 90 seconds. And uh, that was it, ball game right there. So, uh, yes, it was just so much fun to watch. Uh, but, you know, neither game went down to the wire. 
you know, not a big fan of blowouts, and certainly what the Warriors did the other night was a blowout, but uh, the sense of urgency throughout the game leading up to uh, Steph's explosion was uh, great theater in and of itself because you really felt the tension uh, in the arena. So, yeah, so it's going to be great. Uh, to continue watching, uh, a little bit of a bummer that we're waiting until Sunday for Game 3. <clears throat> That's like a five-day gap, which is uh, a bit much this time of year, but uh, I get it. <clears throat> Sunday night ratings so will be awesome for this game. First game back in Oklahoma City, so it's going to be fun. My low light of the week, sticking with basketball, is how the Cavs-Raptors games aren't even competitive to watch. And it uh, looks like, in the immortal words of the great Moses Malone, a, a faux, faux, faux sweep right to the NBA Finals, where, uh, if they end up facing the Warriors, could be one of the great Finals uh, matchups of all time. Uh, not that Oklahoma City is uh, not a fun team to watch and very talented to boot, uh, but let's face it, the Warriors have just finished up the greatest regular season in NBA history. They're defending champs, and a rematch with the Cavs would be wonderful to watch. Also, just sticking with this theme, uh, the Warriors' Thunder and the Penguins' Lightning in the NHL playoffs on the same night is like watching the A-teams, uh, which is in uh, direct contrast to the Cavs, Raptors, and Sharks' Blues on the opposite night, which is kind of like watching the B-teams. Um... So, yeah, so it's kind of uh, uh, on again, off again, shall we say. Uh, again, Warriors Thunder, Penguins Lightning is so compelling. And uh, let's just say that the other series is, are not. Uh, obviously, Toronto season on the line. Uh, game three up in Toronto. We'll see. Uh, we'll know then if the. Cavs are headed for yet another sweep. They're obviously undefeated in this postseason. Ten wins straight. Pretty impressive. Uh, but, again, not competitive. And my bizarre story of the week, going back to the Warriors-Thunder series, is, uh, in you know, another late non-call and another benefit for the Thunder. Speaking, of course, about the traveling call, by West, uh, Russell Westbrook. It's just completely obvious he traveled. Uh, so that just highlights the fact that this whole traveling thing in the NBA is, uh, is odd and getting odder. If it's a rule, call it. If it's not a rule, then don't call it. Uh, don't have it, shall I say. Um, but it's frustrating when literally the entire nation sees Russell Westbrook traveling. Uh, Warriors down three, 17 seconds left. Warriors are the greatest three-point shooting team in history. And, uh, you know, for for that not to be called uh, pretty inexcusable. And then, of course, the NBA's in this uh, mode of transparency where they're basically saying the next day that it, sh it should have been called. Um, <clears throat> uh, going back to the Spurs series, we had a couple of these as well. Uh, 
between the Spurs and the Thunder. So it's uh, uh, no way to end playoff games, that's for sure. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our guest for the day, Chaz Scoggins, one of the Boston Red Sox official scorekeepers who covered the team for decades for the Lowell Sun newspaper and was a former national president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. So Chaz and I will be talking a little baseball coming up after the break, so don't go anywhere. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests and on the line with us today uh, for a repeat appearance after a few, uh, uh, a few appearances in the past is Chas Goggins, one of the Boston Red Sox official scorekeepers who covered the team for decades for the Lowell Sun newspaper. 
and was also former president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And Chaz, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Uh, glad to be there, John, and doing fine. Terrific. Well, we've had you on before, and we haven't had much of a chance to talk baseball yet this year, so I thought it'd be great to have you back on and, uh, and get your expertise on all things Red Sox and all things baseball. So, Fenway Park, it's back to being the place to be again here in 2016. And, uh, you know, the Sox are having a great season after an odd four years of three last-place finishes uh, sandwiched around a World Series title in 2013. So it's been an interesting time for Red Sox fans, but it's good to have them back and off to a good start. Yeah, it's been a weird five years, actually. Uh, you go back to, to, to uh, the year 2011 when they were uh, universally acclaimed as the, uh, the best team in baseball. And if you remember going back in, uh, in, in late August that year, they were living up to it. And then all of a sudden, everything just collapsed in the final weeks. Terry Francona got fired after the season. 2012 turned out to be a disaster with, with Bobby Valentine. And then all of a sudden, 2013, out of nowhere, totally shocked me. I'm sure it shocked everybody else that the Red Sox uh, won the World Series that year. No way they were a good team, but no way did I think they were the best team in, in baseball that year. And then uh, 2014, 2015, teams that I thought had more talent than what their record record showed, but for some reason they just really underachieved. And uh, this year, uh, maybe finally they're getting back on track. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, uh, you know, needless to say, uh, the hiring of Dave Dombrowski was huge, and he's putting his imprint on the team. And boy. Just hearing you talk about some of those years, 2011, you know, I think of two words, beer and chicken, uh, <laughs> which I had, you know, hadn't thought about in a while. And then 2013, uh, let's never forget that that was the year of the Boston Marathon bombing and Big Poppy uh, issuing his famous uh, statement. Um, can't be repeated here on the air, but we all know what it was. Uh, and that just seemed to launch the Red Sox into a sense of purpose and brotherhood throughout the year, or the beards, the whole bit. Uh, and then again, the last two years have just been uh, awful. No, no other way to say it. And here, here they go. They hired Dombrowski, and they're off to a good start. And Big Poppy is just having an amazing year so far. Uh, it's remarkable to watch. Yeah, it is, especially with him at, at 40, maybe having uh, close to a career year. I'd have to say 2007 when he hit the 53 home runs and uh, drove in 150 runs. Uh, that would have to be his career. But, boy, this this is certainly looking close because he's generally been a slow starter, and to get off to the start he has has been, uh, been somewhat surprising. And I know everybody's talking, you know, trying to, wonder if he'll, he'll change his mind and uh but the issue is not i think the issue is not that that he can't hit anymore or, or you know uh, he's about ready to drop off the precipice but it's just that with his uh physical problems just getting ready for the season is just what's what's worn him down and i think even though maybe he's surprised and even he might have some tempting thoughts about maybe coming back after this year I really think as soon as he starts thinking about what it's going to be like in the winter to prepare, I, I think he'll stick with his retirement plans. 
Yeah, I think he probably will, too. Uh, we, of course, just witnessed the retirement, uh, year-long retirement of Kobe Bryant. And, you know, to his credit, uh, he, you know, he went out with a bang with, you know, 60 points on his final yeah. night on, on 50 shots. Uh, so let's hope Big Poppy can do the same. And lest we forget, you know, Big Poppy in the World Series in 2013. What, what did he hit, 700 or something like that? I mean, it was just... Nothing short of remarkable. Uh, and his career, it just seems to grow. The legend grows. Uh, you know, just, I think it was last Saturday uh, where he had perhaps his highlight of this year, a year of many highlights already, and we're only in, you know, mid-May, uh, where he had a game-tying triple in the ninth, I believe, when they were behind to the Astros, and then a game-winning double uh, in extras to win the game and then this just raucous celebration complete with like flour in the air and all that. I thought it was rosin at first. I thought it must be the world's biggest rosin bag. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean that was, you know, that was priceless stuff and then earlier in the year he had, uh, you know, he was brought to tears when his daughter was brought out to his surprise he had no knowledge of it apparently uh to sing the national anthem and he was like again in tears along the baseline i mean just really we're, we're only in mid-may and we've already seen what feels like a season's worth of highlights concerning him yeah presuming uh, presuming he goes through with his, his plans to retire i mean to be able to go out on top how many athletes in any sport but Baseball, especially, perhaps. How many athletes can really, really say that? I mean, you can think of, of Sandy Koufax, who yep. uh, you know retired after winning what twenty-seven games in a, in a season, in his last season. But you know, most players, you know, they, they really stick around too long. And uh, you know, Ted Williams went out on a high, uh, you know, but after the year before was the worst year of his career, and everybody was urging him to retire, and he came back for that one last season in 1960 and uh, proved he still had it. But most, most players, you know, you look at it and, and, and you say they, hung, they really hung around too long. And it would be nice to see a player actually go out on, on top because it, it's like, you know, they always say like in show business and everything else, you know, leave, leave the public wanting, for, thirsting for more. Exactly, exactly. And that reminds me of like the Seinfeld show as a, as a good Good example, and of course we had the one of the best retirement send-offs in recent memory uh, just a couple months ago with Peyton Manning walking off to, into the sunset after winning the Super Bowl, and uh, I think he would be the first to admit, you know, his game was not what it once was, but you know he got the job done. And yeah, was it was glad. kind of like a Ted Williams performance, right. although you know certainly he couldn't throw uh, anything like like he did, but at least he did good get to go out on top and uh you know not too, not too many people can can make that can make that claim and uh and, and i understand it's a hard decision for athletes to do that when you believe you still can play because you know you have a finite time uh, as an athletic career and nobody knows exactly when it when it will end but you know it's going to end someday and it's, it's hard to walk away from it and maybe look back with regret and say you know i I did give up on it too early because you never get a second chance at that. Well, that's it. That, that, that is uh, the foundation for this, you know, vexing, vexing decision that they all have to make at some point. And that's the key, boy. The, the, the minute you make it, 
you're pretty much gone. Uh, I mean, coming back into your sport after retirement is just next to impossible. And uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, going to be interesting to see what he what he what he does. I you know I have every reason to believe. Uh, you know, because when you announce it the day, the year before, I think it makes it even harder. Uh, if, if, if again, not impossible to come back because he's going to get, you know, uh, the rocking chairs and the gifts and all that as he goes through, you know, all the visiting ballparks throughout this year. And, you know, in the end, I mean, uh, if ever there was a player who is, you know, capable of a, a genuine exclamation point on his career with, you know, something very, very dramatic, it certainly would be David Ortiz, uh, you know, what I what I've found myself thinking back through his career recently. It's hard to believe, like it's been twelve years since two thousand four, and what was the greatest sports event I've ever seen in my life was, uh, you know, Game Five of the ALCS against the Yankees when they came back from uh, down three zero. Uh, they won Game Four, of course, Dave Roberts Steele. But I was there at Game Five, what what was at the time the longest game in in Major League history. Uh, playoff game and uh big poppy tied it in the eighth and then won it in the 14th with the single up the middle to bring home johnny damon and you know i look it's just hard to believe it was 12 years ago it literally seems like it was yesterday to put it mildly yeah time flies and uh, i think you know the question here is and and i really think ortiz has done enough in the past few years in spite of the red sox sorry record that that he's pretty much a shoe-in, I think, for the Hall of Fame now. And yes. unless uh, Edgar Martinez would uh, get there ahead of him, you know, he'd be the first really full-time DH to be elected. And I know that's one of the things people people have against him is, uh, you know, well, he was just he was just a DH, he didn't play a position. But boy, is one of the you know the greatest clutch hitters of his generation, if not ever. You know the. The way he's risen to the occasions, dramatic, uh, the, the dramatic hits, walk-off hits, and well, I think you mentioned Saturday. I think that was something his twentieth career walk-off hit, and I don't even think that includes all the ones he's had in the postseason as well. So, I mean, I think his body of work, and there are some people who will point to the fact that he might have been tainted by steroids because he was mentioned in yep. the uh, not publicly, but mentioned privately in the in the Mitchell report back about you know twelve years ago. That uh, you know, that there's some taints there. But I really, I really think he'll get elected to the Hall of Fame. I think he deserves to be in there. And uh, gosh, maybe he'd even make it on the first ballot. I tend to agree. You know, you got to have the statistics, and just like you mentioned, 20 game-winning hits, walk-off hits, that type of thing is hugely important. The home runs, all of it. Uh, but to me, you know, at the end of the day, like. A key ingredient of a, of a Hall of Famer is just, you know, is he a household name? Is he the kind of guy that, you know, if he was walking to the plate, would you stop what you were doing to watch it on television, watch that at-bat at television? And, you know, uh, David Ortiz certainly qualifies on both fronts. You know, he has, you know, he has some flamboyance, has a great nickname. It's just all those things rolled into one that, you know, to me, totally spell hall of fame for him and uh yeah i i, I think uh i agree with you for potential first ballot uh especially if he somehow some way 
keeps up this performance through the rest of the year and then, you know, does something uh, to punctuate his career at the end of, of this year, especially if it's in the postseason. Uh, he's capable. I will say that. He, he has shown that he is, you know, he is capable of just about anything when it comes to uh, high drama. You, know, you just watch him hit. I mean, he's just such, just has such a professional approach when he goes up to bat, even now, and uh, even with pitchers he's unfamiliar with. You just don't see him give away at bats. Uh, he just you know knows what he's looking for. He finds it and uh, waits patiently <clears throat> for it, and then if he gets it, he just he just drills it. And I, I remember a few years ago when I thought when Barry Bonds was at his peak, uh, and I thought he and Ortiz hit the ball consistently harder than any two people in baseball. And uh, to me, I was always amazed that after Ortiz hit some of those balls, that the ball really did not come back flat on one side. Uh, right. He just hit, and now you, you look and I, I don't know, really know what all this exit velocity business has to do anything, but when he still has some of the highest exit velocities of any player in baseball at age 40, I mean, that says, that says a lot. No, it really does, and you know, you're absolutely right. I've been in the ballpark many times, as have you, obviously. Uh, and yeah, you can just tell it's different when he hits the ball. The sound, the velocity, you know, all of it uh, is just very different. And, uh, you know, let's hope he goes out the same way as one of his contemporaries, if not an even better, than, uh, which, which is, of course, uh, Derek Jeter. Um, you know, he... Uh, he, he walked off with a game winner to end his career uh, in high drama. And I think uh, and those two always had, you know, a lot of respect for each other as well as the obvious rivalry. And, uh, yeah, so I think uh, I, I could see Ortiz doing something Jeter-like uh, to, to end his career as well. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Yeah, me either. The, uh, and the, the, the knock on him, too, that, you know, he, he, does, he can't play defense and, and a lot of that right now is, you know, due to the fact of his, his physical problems. That he has problems with his feet. He can't really run. And a lot of people, oh, he doesn't run out ground balls or doesn't hustle. And the fact is that the guy just can't, can't really run anymore. But he, when he was in the minor leagues, he was considered a top-flight defensive first baseman. And, and the few times he's had to go out there in the, in the interleague games and play first base, doesn't have great range anymore, but he certainly doesn't embarrass himself. He shows he can handle the position. And to me, the, the, the defining thing about his defense, go back to the 2004 World Series and the game in St. Louis when uh, the Red Sox, I think, were had one nothing at the time on a Manny Ramirez home run, and uh, Supan was on third base for the, uh, for, the, for the Cardinals, and he wandered off too far on a, on a ground ball, and and then Ortiz threw across the diamond to double him off. You'd have a hard time finding any first baseman in the major leagues who's even in his prime who's willing to risk a throw like that across the diamond in a, in, in such a big game. And yet he he did it. He made the perfect play and got it done. I mean, this guy, his instincts are there, and uh, maybe it's just too bad that. You know, he, he never got to play more defense, but uh, the fact is he can play it. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, always felt you know, more than serviceable. I, I never even, you know, 
uh, thought twice about, you know, a downgrade when, uh, you know, when he ended up playing first base, be it in the postseason or in National League Parks, whatever. Uh, well, Chaz, this has been great, just talking some more tees, but we have a little bit more Red Sox and baseball in general to discuss, and uh, we'll do that on the other side of this break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at voice america trn or twitter.com forward slash voice america trn You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is Chaz Scoggins, one of the Boston Red Sox official scorekeepers who covered the team for decades for the Lowell Sun newspaper, and he was also former national president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And Chaz, we talked a lot of David Ortiz and the little socks in general uh, in the previous segment. But why don't we uh, take a few minutes and just talk about, uh, you know, the Red Sox and the season they're having. Uh, they're back in the mix. They're having a great year. You've been at Fenway uh, often already as an, in your role as official scorekeeper. And uh, what are you seeing? Is the, is the juice back at Fenway Park? Yeah, it is. And thing, I mean, the, the pitch, the starting pitching especially has been uh, been spotty. And uh, I mean, back when Price was four and zero and Porcello was five and zero, and if I if you went around and asked people, okay, two pitchers who are nine and zero between them, which one has the ERA below three and which one has the ERA over six, and I'll bet you know ninety percent of the people would have guessed wrong. Uh, 
you know, but Porcello's done a nice job, and, and now they just need price to get on track and, and go on to uh, a real good uh, good string and, and Buckholz as well. So if they can get that done, uh, they should be okay because offensively, you know, clearly they lead the majors in runs by a, by a large margin. They lead the majors in hitting by a large margin. A margin. They're on a, a a pace that would smash the major league record for doubles in a season. And the thing I like about this lineup is it so much reminds me of the 2003 lineup. And in 2003, they had eight players who drove in 85 or more runs. And Johnny Damon, the leadoff hitter, finished with 69. So you wow. just look at that balance through the lineup. Six players hit 25 or more home runs, and Bill Miller hit 19. It, where is there an out in that lineup? And uh, where is there an, a soft spot for, for a pitcher to capitalize on? And while uh, this lineup won't quite put up that kind of numbers in terms of, of balance, it's still an awfully tough lineup to, uh, to pitch to. Absolutely. Uh, with that famous 2003 team, uh, they didn't win it. We all remember how uh, Pedro stayed in the game too long and they lost to the Yankees, but that, of course, set the stage for uh, the following year, 2004, and uh, the first of three world championships in the last uh, 12 years. Uh, amazing after an 86-year uh, drought. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's... David Price, let's start with him. I mean, he's, you know, hasn't truly shown his stuff yet. Uh, highest paid baseball pitcher in history, if I'm not mistaken, $31 million a year, uh, you know, and and a leader of sorts. Uh, you know, if he hits his stride, and it's a big stride, <laughs> given his size, uh, you know, they could really start rolling as long as the offense, which typically gets better. In the you know as the as the weather gets hotter in Fenway Park, uh, you know they they could really be formidable to say the least. And if Porcello can keep it up, uh, Buck Holtz, a bit of an enigma, shall we say? Um, but he's yeah, still here. <laughs> he's still here, and uh, of course they have the knuckleballer who's been uh, impressing everyone as well. And I guess uh, you know that Joe Kelly will be coming up uh, tomorrow to pitch, which will necessitate a, uh, another move. Red Sox already made a couple of moves today. I'm not sure if you're aware of them, John, but uh, they uh, put Carson Smith on the disabled list, and I've been wondering why he hadn't been pitching since he'd been, been coming back. And there were a couple of spots, I thought, in games where they brought in Matt Barnes that I thought, Carson Smith should have been the one to bring in, wondering why aren't they using this guy? And turns out he's got some soreness in his elbow, so he was put on the on the DL today. And uh, Noe Ramirez was called up again from from Pawtucket. He'll probably just be here for today, and they'll probably send him back down when Kelly comes back tomorrow. And Brock Holt went on the DL with a uh, on the seven day concussion list with a mild concussion. They brought back uh, Blake Swihart for uh, to take his place on the roster. Well, injuries, nothing can derail a season like injuries, so let's hope that, uh, you know, for the most part, they're short-term. And, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, enigmas, as I referenced Clay Buckholtz, another one who's having a a fascinating year is Hanley Ramirez. Uh, Originally started his career with the Red Sox, then was part of the, I believe, uh, Josh Beckett trade back in the day. 
Right. And, uh, and yeah, here he is again. Uh, but he's doing well. It's good to see him, you know, returning. He's like a key to this team. Yeah, he's had a a hundred degree reversal in attitude uh, from what it was a year ago, and I um, mean he, he's been. I mean, at the start of the season, everybody was saying, "Okay, they'll see if they can get by with him for a year at first base, and then re, and then have him become the DH when Ortiz retires." But uh, I'm not sure you'd want to do that right now. I tend to think that uh, Ramirez has played well enough at first base. I think they might just want to keep him there, and if they're looking for a spot for Sandoval. You know, if they can't move him somewhere, then, you know, he'd likely be the DH next year. But no reason to move Hanley at all. He hasn't hit a lot of home runs yet, but, uh, but you know, he's, he's hit the ball well. He's hitting over 300. He's been driving in runs. And uh, it, it, it's been night and day for him between uh, last year and this year. And all of a sudden, a guy who everybody was saying a year ago was a cancer on the club is, you know, now one of, uh, you know, now one of its best players. Exactly, exactly. And another person, uh, never to be ignored uh, with this current Red Sox team and for the past number of years is, of course, Dustin Pedroia. Uh, now, there, there is a true leader, uh, both by example and in the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, he, again, he, so they have a lot of ingredients. And, you know, I, I always place a high, high value on leadership and having been there. And, you know, with Pedroia and Ortiz... I think that gives them a very good foundation for that going forward as, as they start to hit. You know, if they continue playing well and if it starts to turn into a real pennant race, I think that'll be absolutely invaluable. And Mookie Betts has also been establishing himself, despite his young age, as, a, uh, as, as one of the leaders. So that looks like, you know, that, that leadership quality will, will continue in, uh, in future years, As a matter of fact, you look at the future of the Red Sox, and it is it is brilliant for the uh, for the next few years. They have one of the top two or three farm systems in baseball. They're loaded with prospects at the uh, Class A level and below. Guys who are a year, or maybe a year or two away, and Ben Attendee, their first round draft pick last year, just got promoted to Double A, so he's on the on the fast track. And uh, no reason to think that in terms of both position players and pitchers that this is uh, an organization that's going to you know pretty much dominate the way they they did from 2004 to, to 2011 2003 to 2011 exactly exactly and uh knowing you've been there a number of times this year how, how are you finding Fenway Park? Is it a return to the good old days of the years you just mentioned, or, you know, because it was a couple off years, to put it mildly? Yeah, well, the sellout streak is over, and, and you know, there's right. some the, the, they don't fill the park for some of the lesser teams like the Astros. They're coming in, and it's a weekend series, so I imagine they'll draw well for, for Cleveland. But uh isn't quite the same cachet that they, uh, that they had. Uh, you know, clearly they've uh, you know had to reduce some ticket prices in, in areas to uh, to attract people. Uh, season ticket sales, I imagine, are, are probably down as as well after having a long waiting list for it. But still, the fans are there and they're enthusiastic, and the Red Sox have given them every reason to be enthusiastic. Correct, exactly, and well deserved. And we haven't even hit the fun part yet, which is summer, of course. Summer at Fenway Park, nothing quite like it, and. Uh, yeah, it is going to be uh, 
you know, fun to watch. And yeah, I mean, you referenced the sellout streak and everything. It was, you know, they were so white hot for so long, a decade or so. It, it's just impossible to continue that. I mean, impossible. Um, it was just such a, uh, a mania. I've never seen anything quite like it in all my years. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun while it lasted, but now it's sort of, you know, settled down into something a little more normal. And, uh, but yeah, uh, normal could be out the window if they're back in it this year, as we get into the summer months and, you know, with the hopes of a pennant race into September, uh, uh, all of New England lights up when that's the case, to put it mildly. Yeah, especially when September comes and Tom Brady's not playing for the Patriots yet. Yeah, so. there you go. There you go. <laughs> they could help fill the you void. That's what it'll be like, John, if, if we end up with the, with the Red Sox-Cubs World Series. Oh, my gosh. That, that would be perfect. And, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned the Cubs. Of course, they have a huge Red Sox connection with Theo Epstein. They're the best team in baseball this year. And, Chaz, I do want to get your opinion on the Cubs, but why don't we take our final break, and we'll talk a little Cubs uh, after this break. Stick around. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is Chaz Scoggins, one of the Boston Red Sox official scorekeepers who covered the team for decades for the Lowell Sun newspaper, and who was also former national president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And before we get started, I just want to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is tomorrow's Preakness, the second leg of the Triple Crown, and the Warriors' Thunder Game 3 on Sunday night. And Chaz, uh, before we went to the break, we were talking uh, 
uh, Red Sox and touched on the Cubs. And wouldn't it be wonderful if the Red Sox and Cubs played each other in the World Series, uh, especially given the backdrop of Theo Epstein trying to uh, recreate the magic in Chicago that he already created here in Boston. And Boston to, to Chicago with him. Uh, you know, John Lester's there. Uh, even uh, uh, the, one of the backup catchers, Tim Fedorovich, he came out of the Red Sox organization. Uh, Anthony Rizzo uh, was, uh, you know, got to double A with the Red Sox, one of their top prospects, and he got dealt not to Chicago but to San Diego in the Adrian Gonzalez deal. But uh, you know, you look at all that, and you know, Rizzo. For that, Rizzo might be the first baseman now in Boston for a long time to come. So there's a lot of a lot of connections there, and, and even Mike Bryant, their uh, superstar third baseman, has New England connections, and that his, his dad was in the was a Red Sox farmhand for a couple of years out of Acton, Massachusetts, and played at UMass Lowell. Uh, his dad, Mike Bryant. So uh, there was uh, you know the parallels are are tremendous there, but. Ranging down from the from the top of the front office to the players on the field, to, you know, to the minor leagues. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, that's why we love to have you on, Chaz. I did not know that Anthony Rizzo was once in the Red Sox organization, and he is, of course, uh, a star out in Chicago. You know, right uh, along with Chris Bryant. Uh, and yes, he's become a staple of that order. He's already beloved in that city, and. Uh, Wow, that's a great connection. But Chicago, what do you make of the year they're having? I mean, they're far. To, we're talking, you know, one of the best starts in the history of baseball. Now, both Chicago teams actually. I right. Mean, so every reason for for Chicago, whether you're a White Sox or a Cubs fan, to be to be excited about it. And I'm sure, from a provincial standpoint, I'm sure they would love to see a White Sox Cubs World Series there. Uh, I don't know. I guess you would call it the L Series or something. The L Series. That were to happen. You but, took the uh, thought right out of my mind. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, what is it? It's not the Subway series. It's uh, they don't call it the Subway, but yeah, we call it the T here in Boston. They call it the L in Chicago. You know, we had the Shuttle series between uh, you know the the Red Sox and the Mets in '86, and right. you know, the, all the Subway series between you know Brooklyn and and uh, and the New York Giants and the Yankees back in the time when all three teams were were in New York. But yeah, I guess you could have a an L series there uh, it would be the the natural uh, name tag for that one if if it were right. to happen. But uh, you know, still you look at the Red Sox and there's so much tradition between these two teams. The fact that they play in the two oldest ballparks still in existence, you know, in in the major leagues, and so you've got all that nostalgia going for it. And they, you know, both had have tried to shed curses, long time curses. And uh, it make for an, make for an exciting and dramatic World Series, I think. Oh, absolutely! I mean, the Cubs winning the World Series is the automatic story of the year. Period. Uh, if not the decade, just, just no different than the Red Sox were in '04. And uh, but the Sox or the Cubs are now out at what 103 years or thereabouts, maybe longer. Uh, and yeah, it's over 100 years. That's all we need to know. And uh, yeah, 108, I think it is. Right, it's now. 108. 108. Yeah, they, they won in 19. You're right. The years they have won passed. In 1908. By. 1908. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fun to see. You know, and uh, as you well know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I'm a huge Pirate fan. Again, you know, saw them going back to the days of Forbes Field. 
and Clemente and right through We Are Family in 1979, uh, World Series champions and uh, the Pirates and Cubs are, uh, you know, have a pretty good rivalry going all of a sudden, uh, you know, good, dating back, of course, to last year's playoff game when Jake Arrieta beat him. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they've been testy in the games they've played this year. And I, I think, you know, the Pirates are, are, are in the mix, too, obviously, for the postseason. Needless to say, along with the Cardinals and all three of them are in the central division of the NL. Yeah, of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves here by, right. by thinking that far, because I mean, with the extra layer of playoffs, and now since they've added even the wild card game in there, and now you, you, you might have to go, you know, win four different playoff series to win a world championship. And, you know, the more you play, the more likely you are to, to lose somewhere along the line. I mean, if in the old days when it was just the pennant winners, you had a 50 50 chance of winning the World Series, you know, when you went to the postseason. Now, what are the odds? And Kansas City, didn't Kansas City last year? Uh, didn't they have to win their play in game in order to uh, in order to get a shot at the World Series? I mean, it's, it's so difficult. So many ways uh, uh, there can be there can be upsets. And even if we go to 2013, where I really thought the Tigers were the best team that year, and uh, you know they took care of the Red Sox in Game One, and they're ahead five one in the second game, and then Ortiz hits that that home run off Benoit, the grand slam yep. to, to tie it. But I mean. Here's a team that Detroit, actually I think probably Detroit's maybe been the best team in the American League the last few years, but they have not won a World Series in that stretch, despite, you know, my opinion anyway, that they've probably been the best all-around team. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, you talk about the layers, needless to say in Pittsburgh, uh, the, the, the words wild and card, wild card play-in game are uh, four-letter words. In that neck of the woods, trust me, and <laughs> the frustration is so huge with people I still am in touch with down there, uh, you know, to run into, it was like a rerun of a movie, you know, to run into like the hottest pitcher in baseball two years in a row at home, <laughs> both years, and to, you know, lose those games uh, to Madison Bumgardner and Jake Arrieta, the frustration level in the Berg is off the charts, quite frankly. So they're playing with a purpose this year to somehow, some way, try to avoid that situation again. Yeah. So it's you know it's what makes it makes it fun. I, I'm I'm a traditionalist, as I'm sure you are too. You know, and you didn't like the idea of four divisions when that happened. You didn't like the idea of wild cards when that happened. Probably didn't like interleague play. But looking back at from a realistic point of view, all these things, I think, have, have really heightened the interest in, uh, in, in baseball in the, in the last uh, couple of decades. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's, uh, no, you know, nothing I love more than a, you know, winner-take-all game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just for me looking through my black and gold glasses as to why. And then let's not forget, three years ago, you know, the Pirates did beat the Cincinnati Reds in that play-in game. Great, memorable game in and of itself. Uh, you know, went on to face the Cardinals where they lost, you know, in the next round. But, yeah, it's, uh, no, the excitement level's great. More teams, more fun. Uh, you know, without it, the Pirates wouldn't have been playing at all. So, you know, I don't want it to sound like too much complaining. But, Chaz, it's, uh, it's been great. Real quickly, we only have a minute left, but I wanted to get your thoughts on... Uh, 
you know, on the baseball brawl between the Rangers and the Blue Jays, Jose Batista getting really punched seriously in the face uh, last Sunday. Yeah, I guess the Rangers really had a long memory on that yeah, for, for an go. incident that happened what, uh, more than six months before and, and to look for revenge there. It's always been part of the game. I, I can't say that it, it, it's, a, it's, it's smart. Uh, you certainly don't want to see people get hurt, but to throw at guys for, for doing stuff, I mean, you're risking people's careers, and, and, exactly. and I think that's wrong, and uh, you know, there's really really no place for it, and let's face it, I mean, when it comes to brawls, mostly, most baseball brawls are, are just, or so-called brawls are just jokes, but uh, that turned out to be a real one. That was a real one. Boy, as real as anything I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a serious punch, but, you know, to his credit, and as he said after the game, Batista did not, uh, you know, he stayed on his feet, shall we say. And, uh, you know, lastly, I mean, I had no problem with the bat flip. I was watching live like many millions were that day uh, last October. And it was the highlight of the postseason. It was the moment. And, uh, you know, at home, that place was going crazy. And his emotions, you know, uh, just bubbled over. I, I just never thought anything more than that. I, I loved it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, a lot of people do, but the old traditionalists, the rich gossages of the world hated it. But baseball, they say it never changes, but it does, even though the changes are, are, are subtle. Exactly. Well, we'll close on just, you know, acknowledging baseball's unwritten rules are still in existence. And Chaz, I just want to thank you for taking the time, spending basically the whole show with us today, and uh, bringing your expertise and perspective uh to the world of baseball. It's been wonderful. Yeah, you're very welcome, John. I've enjoyed it. Thanks again, Chaz. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.